Play fake. Young goes deep middle. He's got Jerry Rice. Touchdown 49ers. Welcome to another edition of the 49ers Family Podcast, where three generations of 49ers fans break down the game each week and hear from Grandpa Mike as he shares personal experiences since he became a fan in 1949. My name is Josh. I'm here with my grandpa, Mike, and we are a 49ers family. All right, um, let's get started recapping the game against the Falcons. Grandpa, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, as you know, um, maybe a lot of our listeners don't know, the, the 49ers set my mood. When they win, I'm the, my whole week is just in heaven, and when they lose, um, I'm just down in the dumps and, you know, examining the game what you know, what went wrong. And I take it way too hard. Um, yeah. And I've done this for a very long time. I wish I didn't, but it's just who I am. And I'm just really a great dedicated fan. So I've had a depressing week. Um, we've, you know, lost to these teams we should beat and, it just frustrates me because I know at the end of the season, if we make the playoffs, and I pray we do, um, the seating will all, you know, we're going to be on the road and yep. seated sixth or, you know, it just makes it harder when we lose the teams we should beat. For sure. No, um, I feel you. And you're telling me it doesn't get any easier because, man, I, I, I feel you not only for these 49ers games, but as I've mentioned in other, uh, other podcasts, other episodes, I'm also a big uh, BYU uh, Cougars fan. That's my, uh, my college football team. I also had a rough week. Um, so it was like left hook, poof, right yeah. hook. Um, so it's, it, it has been a little bit of a tough week. And just, man, what a, what a roller coaster of a season thus far. Um, like you said, losing the games that we're supposed to win and winning the games that we're maybe supposed to lose. Uh, it's and the injuries keep stacking up. We'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, let, let's talk about the Falcons game because it did feel like one of those games. Once again, that the Niners kind of let let it get almost out of hand and didn't have the it didn't have enough of a response um, to stay in the game. Um, There's just things here and there. I want to get your thoughts on the game overall, but um, man, the Falcons kind of out 49ered the 49ers. You know, we, we, <clears throat> to me, one of the measurements is passion and, you know, the coaches are to motivate the team and get them ready. We, went and spent a week at the Greenbrier in West Virginia to maintain, you know, the player's body clock to the East Coast time zone, which we've done in prior years, and it's helped us, um, especially at an early kickoff, mm -hmm. um, and obviously didn't work this time. Um, and then quickly, we've had this streak of nobody has scored a touchdown in the first half against us. And that streak went out the window on the first drive. Yep. And then Jeff Wilson fumbled. And I mean, before you knew it, we were down 14 to nothing. And um, it, it just, 
we just never had the passion um, all game. It, it's, it's like they didn't come to play and it's hard, hard to believe or hard to even say, but. Yeah, I think, I think you hit it on it there. That's the word that came to mind for me was belief. Um, and I mean, I was kind of a victim of this as well, or a culprit, if you will. But as far as being a victim uh, or of not believing, it did feel like, oh, man, how are the Niners going to get out of this with injuries that they have? And uh, I don't know if the Niners, if the players themselves got that in their head. But yes, we were missing. What was it, Grandpa? Like nine starters? Nine starters. At the end of the game, we were missing nine starters, seven on defense. Like that, ha I think that really did get in their head, and there was a lack of belief that that we could get back in the game and and, and win. It was almost Atlanta is a physical team, and they're a running team, which running teams are physical. But um, <clears throat> so they just they were punching us, and we weren't punching back. So. Yep. You know, in, in the start of the game, we had, you know, down seven, nothing, then 14, nothing. And the offense needed to step up. And with the injuries on defense, um, the offense really needed to, to be there. And, you know, we didn't score in the final 37 minutes. We had three turnovers and we only had 50 yards rushing. I mean, it was just a disaster. The whole, whole game, there was kind of like no hope other than when we came back and tied it at 14 I thought okay okay here we go and right Atlanta jumped back ahead you know and um I just yeah. didn't feel like we were in the game at all yeah I, I there was that one glimmer of hope as you mentioned 14 14 the Falcons get the ball we were going to get the ball after the half and it was like okay if we can get a stop here this could be huge Third and 13, I think it was Dre Greenlaw had a free, you know, free pass, pretty much just a straight line to Marcus Mariota. He scrambles out of it, ends up running for the first down. That was a huge play. Kyle Shanahan actually himself said that that was um, a backbreaker, a backbreaker, because um, it really did feel like, okay, like we're getting into a rhythm on offense. Uh, the defense is is starting to also kind of create help us with the momentum of turning this game around, and then third and thirteen, boom, and then they went boop boop boop, scored. Nice. Marcus Mariota was offensive player of the week. I mean, QB rating of one hundred forty four. That's only nine points shorter than a perfect perfect yeah. QB rating. Uh, he yeah, he played great. Um, I mean, thirteen for fourteen. Uh, he when he when they threw the ball, he was incredibly efficient. Um, and then they ran the ball 40 freaking times. <laughs> they're a running team and they're very physical and they run on everybody and they, you know, they control the line of scrimmage. Yeah. But I always try to find a positive. Um, yep. You know, the, looking at the bright side and if there is one or one of the things I thought of this week in my depression is um, if you look back to the final four, and this Josh is not the final four of the NCAA March Madness, but the final four in the NFC last year was the Rams and Green Bay and the Niners and Tampa. 
Yep. And all four of those teams are three and three right now, and none of them are in first place. So that's my positive. I've kind of been hanging on that. Um, right. Yeah, we're still technically at the top of the division. Um, even at three and three, we had a tiebreaker with uh, Seattle and uh, the Rams, which both of which we have beat. So we right. have so the tie. We have have the tie. Yeah. Your division record. So we would, we would get that. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right. Uh, it was a stinker of a game. Um, let's talk a little bit about the injuries. I hate talking about the injuries. Um, but once again, we see multiple guys go down during the game. I, I, I don't know if it's, and maybe we need to talk about this. I don't know if it's a, a curse or if it's something like organizational, whether it's the strength and conditioning or, or what, what we're doing. But even I felt like every single time a tackle was made, I was just holding my breath. All right, who's going to come up limping this time? Um, and sure enough, Charvarius Ward goes out, uh, tweaked his groin a little bit, seemed a little bit like the Nick Bosa thing of he didn't pull it all the way, but he didn't feel great either. So rather than make it worse, he held out, which hurts, obviously, after losing E-Man um, on one side and now Charvarius on the other. Not that Atlanta is a passing team, but the team that we're going to talk about here in a minute come to town on Sunday is a passing team. Uh, but I mean, and, and, and additional guys, Mike McGlinchey, uh, and others going down. Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer. I know the team doesn't know the answer why these things happen. There's lots of speculation. Um, some being one of the things the players have concentrated on in recent, um, contract negotiations is less practice time and mm -hmm. less hitting and less pads. And I don't, I don't know if that, you know, we all of a sudden play a game and we're hitting somebody and we get hurt. Um, but the six years that Kyle Shanahan has been here, we have been one of the most injured teams in the league, right at this moment, we're dead last. Um, and as far as injuries are concerned, I have no idea why it happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do to prevent it. Um, it's just excessive. And, um, you know, we've got Trent Williams and Elijah Mitch Mitchell and Mosley and uh, Jimmy Webb has been out. Bosa just missed a game. Eric um, Armstead yep. was out. Trey Lance. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And we have a very good team. We could we could win the Super Bowl, but not with these injuries. No, yeah. So mentioning that, I had actually never heard of this, but Dr. Matt Proventure um, of Fox. I don't know how he's aligned with them, but essentially has created a, a banged up score, which quantifies how injuries affect the overall team position and player performance on a scale of zero to one hundred. Uh, the number one team being the most healthy and then the bottom team me being the most injured. Uh, yep. The Niners are the most injured team um, at 32nd out of 32. Um, Arizona is right, right in front of us after, and then new Orleans, Denver um, giants, Baltimore Rams. Uh, uh, fortunately for the undefeated team in the league, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, 
they are the most healthy team. So they are just firing on all cylinders. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can really take this thing all the way. Uh, a lot of, and there's a lot of question marks around them two years ago, just two years ago when Doug Peterson put in um, Nate Sudfeld in that last game, instead of keeping, uh, keeping Jalen Hurts in there and essentially got himself fired. But here they are two years later undefeated. That's going to be one that one to track, but seeing the Niners at that bottom of that banged up score, the, the most injured team in the league. Ugh, I hate, I hate seeing that. Yeah. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, to, to win the Super Bowl, you need to have some luck and yeah. you know, that it's the schedule, um, it's injuries. Um, as an example, this week, we're going to play Kansas City, and I won't get ahead of us here, but it is paramount that this game be in Santa Clara and not in Kansas City. I've been to Kansas City, and I mean, you can't hear yourself talk. Yeah. You know, it's very, very difficult place to play. So yeah. at least the game is in, um, it's, a, it's a home game for us in Santa Clara. Yeah, and so, injuries are, we do have some people coming back and yep. they don't let you know exactly who's going to play. You know, Shanahan keeps it close to the vest, but Trent Williams is practicing. Uh, Bosa is practicing. So that's encouraging. Um, and, you know, so. Yeah, the other yeah, and the, the other two that you didn't mention, because um, you mentioned Bosa and Williams, which is huge, uh, but also Jimmy Ward, as we mentioned last week, and it's now, it seems likely that he will play with the club on his hand. Um, today, he was, he was practicing and even trying to catch some balls with a club on one hand and a glove on the other. Um, and then Jason Verrett also saw some, some film of him today moving uh, much better and like sprinting rather than just kind of moving uh as as we mentioned before he's in his three-week practice window and yeah. the the Niners have to make a decision are they going to activate him or not I believe they will uh we'll see if he's back uh, back for this game but but so there are as as unfortunate as there have been some injuries um you know, good things are coming. Um, also, you know, Charvarius Ward, his groin injury seems to be um, more day to day. Uh, we'll see if they hold him out like they held Bosa out for this last week. Um, and then Hufanga is in the concussion protocol. I'm not sure if he's ruled out for this week or, or not. Uh, he got cleared apparently twice on game day but then on monday he he showed up to the facility essentially with with some symptoms um not sure that they didn't go into much detail but pretty banged up we just got to get to that bye week though grandpa right and that's you know so we have two very difficult games ahead of us the kansas city chiefs and then we go to la i'm going to go to that game on the 30th um and then we have our bye week so um one um, Mitchell is supposed to come back after the bye week and hopefully we start getting people back and not, you know, injured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Kin Kinlaw, he has missed, you know, four weeks uh, since he's on IR. Uh, 
we'll see if he'll be back at any point in the season. I'm very disappointed in that, though. Yeah. I know we were going back and forth on our group text. I mean, the guy is a specimen, but his dang knees, he can't can't take the wear and tear of a season. I he's you know when football players refer to another football player as being huge, yeah, and and that's what you know the Niners talk about Kinlaw. He is huge, um, and he's just been hurt. You know that ever since we drafted him out of South Carolina. Um, so yeah, I and then I again try and think of a positive and there was, you know, there's always an example. So years and years ago, we drafted this guy, Jesse Sapolo. He was a center and he out of Hawaii. And the first three years, he was hurt all the time. And you just wanted to give up on him. You know, you go, this guy can't play. He's yeah. always hurt. Well, he once he got through that, um, and Steph Curry with his ankles, you know, and I mean, um, so <clears throat> anyway, Jesse Sapolo won a bunch of Super Bowls and he was a great center. So mm -hmm. maybe Kinlaw will follow in those footsteps. Hopefully he will. Um, I know the Niners have talked to Washington about their defensive tackle, Deron Payne. Um, and he was a number one pick the year we drafted. Mike McGlinchey, um, McGlinchey, uh, we drafted McGlinchey number nine and Washington drafted Payne number 13. So anyway, his contract's coming up. And so there's some speculation. He, he could be moved. And, um, I know the Niners were, are interested how far they'll go. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that before we get into the chiefs you know, we are, with all the injuries and then the upcoming trade deadline of November 1st, which is really less than two weeks out, there's a lot of buzz around the league of what's going to happen, um, who's going to, who's on the chopping, uh, who's on the trade block versus, you know, what are people's needs? What are they willing to give up? Who are Super Bowl contenders who are not? As you mentioned, a lot of teams are three and three. So I think there's going to be a lot of buyers this year of looking for those pieces. It would seem from what we have heard and even Robbie Anderson just being traded to the Cardinals for a sixth and seventh round pick, the Panthers might be in selling mode, which means Christian McCaffrey is on the trade block. He, they're open to um, trading him. I mean, they just fired their coach. They're going to have to rebuild. They've got quarterback issues with Baker Mayfield and, Darnold and I mean they played their fourth string guy last week um they play the Rams this week anyway um McCaffrey would 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 not come cheap no the Niners have talked to Carolina about them as have the Rams and the Buffalo Bills that I'm aware of mm -hmm. and he's got <clears throat> he renegotiated his contract this year and this year he's only making one point one, two million, the minimum basically. Um, but next year, McCaffrey is gonna make 11.8 million. So they're mm -hmm. backloaded his contract. Um, and <clears throat> I would love to have him. I mean, he's, he's a, a Roger Craig, you know, he, he's a great runner. He's a great receiver. He blocks, I mean, he's- And, he, and he's a Stanford guy. He, I mean, he went to, he's okay. from the Bay. 
Well, not, and, and then it goes a little deeper, not that, that Carolina cares about this, but um, the Shanahan's, so uh, Christian McCaffrey's father is this guy, Ed McCaffrey, who was a wide receiver for Denver um, when Mike Shanahan was the coach there for like 16 years. Um, and Kyle, Ed McCaffrey actually babysat Kyle at one point. Wow. So there is this McCaffrey-Shanahan connection. Um, and again, Carolina doesn't care about that, but um, it, it, you know, it, they know, you know, the character of the family and on and on and on. So um, it just would be expensive to, to trade for him. And, you know, we don't have a number one pick this year, um, but um, in the Rams, I mean, they don't have a number one pick either. And Buffalo doesn't want to give up a number one pick. So it's, yeah, it's a, we're in our last 10 days. Now, last year, remember what happened right at the end, and this, the Rams kind of scare me. They went and got Von Miller yep. right at the end of the, you know, leading up to the trading deadline, did nothing, and then all of a sudden, bam, they got Von Miller, and that was a difference maker. Um, so something's going to happen, and... Um, it, who knows what, but yeah, it, it just builds with the excitement. Yeah. So looking back at the last um, five seasons, the Niners uh, slash, you know, you, you tend to follow the tendencies of John Lynch. Um, what have they done last year? They went and got Charles Amenehue from the Texans. Uh, 2020 got Jordan Willis right before the deadline, who ended up being our, our Green Bay playoff win hero. Right. Um, 2019 got Emmanuel Sanders from the Broncos and then yep. 2017 that's how we got Jimmy G was a mid-year trade to, from the Patriots for a second round pick so it's about one guy on average about one player a year that John Lynch likes to go out and get so what position do you think that will be well you know you you like McCaffrey except that we have Mitchell coming back yep and He's cheap. Um, you know, so it's, you know, in the Kinlaw thing, I think might drive this. And that's why I'm paying attention to this Daryl Payne from Washington, if there's anything to that. Um, but Kinlaw's out. I mean, mm -hmm. at least four weeks and probably more. Yeah. So, and Eric Armstead, Eric Armstead is out. Um, another factor was that as far as like PFF grades from the Falcons game, our three lowest graded players are D heard our D tackles. They got eaten up. Yeah. So well, yeah, that well, that's Atlanta in their run game. They their coach is Arthur Smith, and he just is going to ram it down your throat. He's, yep. he's saying, "Stop! Go ahead and stop me." Um, yeah. Uh, Fred Warner did not have a good game. Um, he admit admits of that <clears throat> so yeah anyway on we go um and we have a monumental task ahead of us we sure do skip city they scare me to death they can <laughs> just you know mahomes came out of texas tech and he was the 10th player picked that year and what a find it was for kansas city 
What a find. So yeah, um, this game that was at home, it'll be a 1.25 or 1.30 p.m. kick. Uh, beautiful weather forecasted. Weather should not be an issue. Way better weather than uh, the, that Seattle game and, and, and of course, the monsoon and, and others. Uh, uh, Kansas City right now is favored by two and a half points. Um, the over-under is at 48.5. That line is way closer than I would have ever imagined. I know there's some home field advantage baked into that. So about three points, so about a five and a half point, you know, swing um, on a neutral field, which there is no such thing. Um, but reactions to that line, Grandpa, what do you think? Do you think we were that close? I thought after we lost to Atlanta, then my mind starts to shift to the next opponent Kansas City I thought we'd be at least a seven point underdog same a, a, a touchdown I was very very surprised and a little happy that we were only a three point when it opened and it's now two and a half so the experts <laughs> um, say it's going to be close and I like that because Kansas City really does scare me they can throw that football they're not as good as they were a couple of years ago but they're still very good. And um, yeah, Mahomes is, you know, and Kelsey and their whiteouts and they don't run real well. Um, no. They pass and Mahomes can throw on the run. He, you know, he creates time. Um, and my vision is, you know, Bose is going to be running all over the place and um, he's hard to, hard to bring down, but um, another encouraging thing is we played Kansas City in the Super Bowl what three years ago, and we really curtailed them the first three and a half quarters. <laughs> you know, until there were six minutes and thirteen seconds left, um, we had a ten-point lead. But we really held. They scored twenty-one points in the last six minutes. Right. Um, but we held them to ten points the first three and a half quarters, and so that scheme worked yep. so it gives me some hope um but we have some tough games we seem to play better when when it's tough and we don't play with the passion we need to have against the little sisters of the poor right I, I, it's it is crazy you know something that i'm really interested in seeing how it kind of develops the rest of this week once again we we, we record these on wednesday evenings um is the whole idea of will Trent Williams be back if he's back at what level will he be because the monster on the other side is Chris Jones who's having a heck of a year uh Aaron Donald like just a disruptor on the defense and he finds the weak points and he causes havoc no doubt the Niners are going to try into game plan against him like they do against Aaron Donald um, but besides him, it's a pretty soft defense, honestly. Um, yeah, they're, they, they they're let not, people move the ball. Not the team they were a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so let's see here. I was looking at this earlier, and I always game plan. Um, I look at what the coaches look at, and that is <clears throat> what is the weakness of our opponent in Kansas City. 
um, allows 356 yards a game. They're ranked 18th in the league. So they're, you know, and passing yards, they're ranked 27th. Mm-hmm. So they give up 266 yards a game uh, against the pass. So they're good against the run, um, but not good against the pass. So it tells me we're going to pass. Yeah. We'll see. Um, this these things always don't work out like this, but often they do. And um, but Kansas City has got a great offense, and their defense is just middle of the road. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's going to be interesting to to watch because I, I agree, uh, and this will come out in in my game score prediction. I was surprised to see that two and a half um, point, you know, line favored to the Kansas City side. Mm-hmm. I think it should be a little bit more, but it is one of those matchup things that if if the Niners at home with some players back, they could stay in this game. Um, and maybe I have PTSD from the Super Bowl, but I would not be surprised if it is um, close at the end of the third quarter. But what scares me about Kansas City and watching them this year, as well as once again, the Super Bowl, is that they talk about belief. They believe they can score in 30 seconds. Um, And frankly, sometimes they do. Uh, And so what scares me is that fourth quarter, can the Niners keep up with the Chiefs? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Mooney Ward, who played for Kansas City he certainly knows them as long as he can play um he has a slight groin injury came out of the Atlanta game um as long as he can play um I think we'll be we'll be okay in the fourth quarter I I also wonder about you know they've got um it's kind of a tight end game uh Travis Kelsey against George Kittle. So I think Kittle's going to have a great game. I think they're just going to, you know, because there's all the speculation each year and, you know, who's the best tight end. And so um, it would be great if Kittle could really bust out here. But what you mentioned just a minute ago about Kansas City scoring that Buffalo game last year, the end of it, I mean... (laughs) That's what you, you know, what you're, re- when I'm remembering and I'm, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, so that game was so crazy. This, this time around, um, the Bills ended up, you know, in the win column. Um, and it was way lower scoring. I didn't, I didn't actually get to see the game. I it was keeping track of the score, but way lower scoring than I would have expected. What was what? The, the the game with the, the Bills um, Chiefs just last week on the Sunday. Yeah, they just, you know, the defenses um, stopped each team. So it wasn't just a track race. Um, and I was glad to actually see Buffalo. I'd like a new guy and um, I was rooting for Buffalo. And um, Josh is... Boy, is he good. He, he, is so good. he takes such change. You know, I'm comparing him to Trey Lance and um at a very early stage, but uh he, 
Trey Lance got, has gotten hurt, not only the ankle, but last year he played in two games and he got actually hurt in both games. So that worries me. Um, but uh, the Buffalo guy is just, he's wild. He's wild. He, he, he's going to hit you. And, you know, they've kind of always taught the quarterback, slide, get down, don't get hit, don't get hurt. He's, he's a di different breed. Yeah, he hurdled the guy. Um, yeah, he hurdled one guy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but yeah, it is it is interesting. Like I said, I think we we all as Niners fans have PTSD of when we think of the Chiefs, we we have flashbacks to that Super Bowl. Um, but I am very fascinated to see how this game uh, ends up. It's at home. It's uh, we're gonna get some guys back. Uh, I think we'll be able to move the ball um, and it's just going to get to come down to that, that fourth quarter. Um, as far as your, your game prediction, your score prediction, grandpa, what, what are you feeling? Well, I, I feel Kansas city was, is going to win. That's the first time I've said it this year, but um, I feel they're going to win. I early in the week when I start to compile all this stuff, I, I was so upset. I, I said they were going to win 31 to 10. Oh my God. It'll be like that. But um, I, my pick would be Kansas City. Okay. All right. I it's hope it's not luck. that bad. I hope it's not that bad. I'm, I am also, for the first time this year, I'm kind of going to predict a Niners loss. Not that I don't want them to win. Um, I, I, but as far as predicting the game score, I think it's going to be 28 21. Um, and that that last touchdown is really going to come in that fourth quarter for the for the Chiefs. And I it, I'm kind of you know I'm testing. I, I, I want to see the Niners show up in that fourth quarter. I am a little concerned about our fourth quarter offense, and I want this to be a big game. So um, I would not be surprised if it if it goes you know if, if, if it's closer but um i'm gonna say chiefs 28 niners 21 okay when the odds makers say three points no two and a half but three points i always you know interject the kicker it's gonna decide this game so um it could come down to a late field goal as well but yeah those are just guesses yeah yeah well it should it should be a good one it should yeah. definitely be a good one um and then I, as far as uh you know getting into your story and other, other tidbits and thinking about the Niners the other uh, I feel like there's a couple prominent quarterbacks that have gone from the Niners to the Chiefs um one being the the GOAT Joe Montana um the other being the more recent Alex Smith so a little, little bit of a connection there. We, yeah, for whatever reason, and I don't know that there is a reason, it's just over the years, going way back to the early 80s, um, we have traded seven quarterbacks over the years to the Chiefs. Wow. Yeah. And um, it, Bob Gagliano, Wessel, remember him, Steve DeBerg, who was Montana's setup man when Montana first started he didn't play a lot the first couple of years 
and um, Bill Walsh had Steve DeBerg drive the team down to like the 20, and then he put in Montana to have them score. <laughs> he wanted, yeah. Um, so anyway, Steve DeBerg uh, was traded to Kansas City in 88. And then Steve Bono was one of our backups, a really good backup. Um, he was traded to Kansas City. Um, Steve Sinstrom, Elvis Gerback was uh, traded in 97 to Kansas City, and he started many games for us. I remember yeah. one year we went, we were going to Dallas, and this is when it was hot and heavy with Dallas, and all of a sudden, um, it was Steve Young couldn't play, and you didn't know this till the day of the game, and we're going to play Elvis Gerback in, in Dallas, and he won. Wow. And then Alex Smith. So there's been seven quarterbacks that the Niners have traded to Kansas City over the years. It's just one of those things, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. That is interesting. I mean, as far as the Chiefs organization, I actually am a fan of the organization itself. I think they're well run. Uh, I like that they're uh, crazy fans, very dedicated fans, very rowdy stadium. Um, and they, they got a they got a good squad. I think they they drafted well this last year and have a great coach and Andy Reid. I still think that the, the Eagles were idiots for letting him go, even though there, yeah. there's a time for everything. But he has has really um, you know made a name for himself. Uh, that the Eagles were was not the end of his his um, his act. That really this act two with the Chiefs has been even even greater and that they are still um, Super Bowl contenders and should be for some time. Yeah, he, Andy Reid is a great coach, great mm -hmm. coach from BYU. From BYU, yeah. Players love him. They did great with the Eagles and now with the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, just a couple of quick facts about Kansas City that people maybe don't know. And so the AFL was formed in 1960 and they had eight teams. And the, uh, the Chiefs, actually, the first year of their existence in 1960, they were the Dallas Texans. Huh. So they played their first year in Dallas, and then they moved to Kansas City. Wow. Um, so that, that's always interesting, and you have to be old to, to know that. Um, and then one other note that um, the first couple of years of the Super Bowl, and that started in 66. Um, uh, <clears throat> there wasn't a name for the game. They were calling it the AFL, the NFL championship game. And it just had different names every year. And after about five or six years, Lamar Hunt, who was the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, his little boy was playing with a ball. And the ball was in a box. And it was called a Super Bowl. And that's where the name Super Bowl came from, was derived from this little kid's ball. <laughs> and, and so Lamar Hunt suggested that to the league that we start calling this the Super Bowl. And it was like Super Bowl VI when, before it really had that name. And that came from Lamar Hunt. That's, that's really cool. Um, well, and that's a good transition. So as you everybody should know by now, we end these episodes with the story from Grandpa Mike of, 
you know, something from his his past experiences being a Niner fan for since 1949. Uh, but Grandpa, you were telling me that you met Lamar Hunt. Um, tell us about that. I did. Um, so I've had the um, good fortune to go to the um, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio four times. And one of my visits, you know, you're just in awe with all these great players and reading their history and looking at their busts and that I was just in one of the rooms looking at the bus and uh, I don't even remember whose it was, but I looked next to me and there's this gentleman who I recognized right away as Lamar Hunt. And so I just said, hello, Mr. I was surprised. So I just said, Mr. Hunt. And so we talked for 15 or 20 minutes and quite candidly, I don't remember now what we even talked about. It was just generic and how, you know, beautiful this Hall of Fame is and the history and all these great players and on and on and on. But I did meet him. He was a very nice man. And he was just like anybody else, you know, um, going to whatever, uh, yeah. just standing next to a guy talking to him. And he happened to be the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's awesome. I love to hear that. I love to hear um, when the owners are fans of the game, that it's more than just a business. Um, even though Jerry Jones is crazy, you know that guy is so passionate about his Cowboys and football, et cetera. There's a bunch of owner things going on right now in the league. Um, and the, the Broncos just got bought for $4.65 billion by the Walmart family and, and, and a couple others. Uh, and I know at the end of the day, it's a business, but I also love to hear the stories of when the owners I just love football. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's many, I mean, um, the Roonies in Pittsburgh, um, they started in 1920. They were one of the original teams and they, so they, they were Mr. Rooney, um, liked the horses. And so he was a big, um, you know, gambler i guess you'd say and so that's he made a lot of money on the horses and that's how we bought the team wow so that's how the Steelers were bought um the 49ers were bought by the morabitos tony and vic morabito and um their father was in the shipbuilding business and my dad told me um, the story way back when uh, that Mr. Morabito would turn over in his grave if he knew what his sons did with their inheritance. <laughs> and um, later, just one other quick little note. Um, so my, my dad um, taught at St. Ignatius, he taught at Gonzaga, he taught at Santa Clara, um, and other places, but he taught at St. Ignatius High School in San Francisco. And Vic Morabito, who was the younger of the two brothers, um, my father has had him as a student and he wasn't doing well. Oh gosh. So Tony came and spoke to my dad and said, what can we do with, you know, with Vic's grades? 
And my father said, I suggest you open a book. So that's before they bought the team. But I love that reminds him, yes, he opens a book. That's awesome. His grades might improve. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of passionate owners and um, you know, it's it's this 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 business is I mean, all the teams are worth billions now. It's, oh yeah. Well, even they said, as I mentioned, the Broncos just sold for a record, you know, 4.65, 4.85 billion dollars. Yeah. And they said that even that was at a discount. It's it's probably worth six. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. And, and a tremendous job in, in developing and marketing the league. I mean, it's television. Um, yeah. And now they're, you know, these games that are in London and these other places, there's lots of meaning to them. There will be a team in London someday. They just have to figure out the travel and some of those those things and and the foreign exchange of money and on and on. But um, that's why we're going to London all the time and Mexico City. It it will become an international game. Yeah, no, that's uh, it. Really, is the last thing that it's lacking. I mean, it it. it it owns a day of the week here in the U.S. Uh, it is, you know, leaps and bounds more popular um, eyeball-wise than the other supports. So it is, it's, it's very crazy. But you know, soccer rules um, Europe, yeah, and and um, other really the rest of the world. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how slash when American football. Yeah, um, it will be. Um, but there, you know, that's why we do these things. There's more and more games in London and yep. they're building a base and creating this fan interest. And um, then there'll be expansion and, you know, we'll be making road trips to London. Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of 49ers Family. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, uh, we appreciate you listening, of course, and also, as always, appreciate any feedback. 49ers Family Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks to everybody for listening, and we will see you next time. Go Niners. Go Niners.